0: Thank you for listening to the Vantage Point Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, hey, good morning. Uh, happy Easter again. Hey, let me just ask you as we could go in here. Do you have your big Easter dinner already? You know, I, I was hoping as this whole thing has been going on and things have been kind of a little bit dif- different, hopefully you have like, your, your traditional uh, Easter ham all prepared. I, I'm hoping that you're not eating like... You know Easter liver because there's no Easter ham today. So hopefully you have that going, and uh, you're someplace nice and comfortable. Hey, real quick, uh, I want to shout this out to all the kids. If you're watching today, did you get an Easter basket? If you got an Easter basket. We would love to see your Easter basket. We'd love to see the cool things that you got. Uh, If any of you have like cool toys or cool Easter basket, would you just send us a picture and you can comment in a picture. We'd love to see that. It'd be awesome. Just kind of check out what you got for Easter. Maybe we'll throw it up on the screen here in a little bit if we're able to do that. But hey, I am so glad that you are celebrating Easter with us. Um, A couple years ago, my girls got a a cool toy in their Easter basket. got one of these. see if I can find it here. One of these scooters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna ride it on the stage. I'm afraid I would break myself. But they each got a scooter kind of like this, and it was it was fun seeing them open their Easter baskets and take out their items outside playing. But one of my daughters, uh, she had a hard time. She didn't realize that the, the neck here was, was tightened up and the wheels, the, you know, the bolts on the wheels weren't loosened. So I saw her outside with her sisters, and she was trying to ride on this, but she couldn't really steer it, you know, and she tried to push off, but it was hard because the wheels weren't working. And at one point I saw her kind of running along her sisters, kind of just running with the scooter back and forth. And that's kind of amazing you know, we have these, these gifts or these items, but, you know, if, if we don't know how to use it right, if it doesn't work right, even if it's the most amazing gift, we miss out on the fun. And so today we're starting a brand new series, and it's called That's Not How That Works. That's Not How That Works. Because uh, here's the thing. I think there's a lot of things in life that we're familiar with, things that we, we know about, we think we understand them, we think that we, we know how they work. In fact, a few years ago, <clears throat> I was uh, doing a uh, a project at at my church, and uh, this is kind of scary just thinking about that. But I was doing a project, and I had to take out the the outlets on one of the walls. And I went around, and I I went to the to the, the uh, the power box, and I turned off all the, the power for the, the room I was in at least I thought I had, and so I go over to one of the outlets and I take the screwdriver and I begin to unscrew the outlet cover, and <laughs> I got the worst shock of my life. It almost like threw me back. I'm like shaking. I thought I was gonna die. I thought I was gonna need a new pair of pants, but fortunately, I didn't. But here's the thing: I, I thought I knew how it worked. You know, I thought I got this figured. I I, I understand electricity mostly. You know, I'm familiar with it, but just because we're familiar with something doesn't mean that we understand how it works. It doesn't mean that we're getting all the benefits. And, and just like a kid, when we have something that, that we don't know how it works, what happens is, is we'll get bored or frustrated or hurt, and eventually we may just quit on it. And I want to think, I think maybe some people, that's where you're at right now. You've kind of you've quit. I mean, you're, you're frustrated. You're watching online this morning because, well, you know, you got invited to a family member's house, and your nieces and nephews are so cute, and so you're, you're there, and, and now you're watching this service. Or, or maybe it's the fact that, you know, mom is such a good cook, and mom's making this big Easter dinner, and this is really important to her, so I'm just going gonna, gonna to do this for mom. But if you're honest, you're exhausted. You're exhausted with the whole religion and church thing, and it just feels like it's not working for you. And you're frustrated. You're worn out and, and you just don't want to pretend anymore. Or maybe you've already kind of given up. But you're just being polite. Well, I can understand that. In fact, Jesus, when Jesus first came onto the scene, that's exactly what things looked like. Uh, Jesus felt the same thing when he came on the scene. See, Jesus, when he first started out, The big voices in this culture, they weren't celebrities or athletes. They they didn't have those back in the day. They were actually a group of religious leaders called the Pharisees. And now the Pharisees, they were all about their image. They were all about, you know, things had to look a certain way. You had to kind of portray yourself in a certain light. And they were all about doing things a certain way and and making sure their image was protected. I mean, man, these Pharisees, they, they were cropping and filtering long before there was any social media. They were doing that for a long time. And, and the problem was, is they, they had so many rules for how things are supposed to look, and they, they put so much pressure on people, they just, they weren't able to do it. Their answer to life was just, try harder. Try harder. Work more. Hide your problems and your pain, and just fake it till you make it, and just work, work, work. All that is until Jesus came along and said, that, that's not how this works. That's not how that works. That's not how you get the peace that you're looking for in life. It's not how you get satisfaction. It's not how you get that thing off of your back that just eats away at you when it's quiet and you're all alone and there's no distractions and it's just you. And it eats away at you. That's not how that works. Listen to what Jesus says. This is what Jesus told the people. Matthew 11, verse 28, he says this. He says, come to me All who are weary and carrying a heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. Take and learn from me, and you'll find rest for your souls. So here's what I want to do today. I want to just take the next few moments. I want to look, you know, it's Easter, so I want to look at the Easter story. But I want to look at a side character of the Easter story. A guy who, who, he thought he knew how things work. He thought he had it figured out. He thought he knew what he had to do to make life work the way he wanted it to. But he found out it really doesn't work that way. His story is found in Luke chapter 23. If you have a Bible handy, you can go and open that up to Luke chapter 23. or You can scroll there on your phone. We're going to have the verses uh, you know, up on the screen here in just a few moments. But our story takes place uh, the night that Jesus had his trial. He had this big trial. It was really kind of just a big mockery. They, they put Jesus up, and they had all these false witnesses. And there's a guy in this story. It's really interesting. He's named, he, his name is mentioned in all four Gospels. Let's start with verse 13 of Luke 23. It says this. It says, so Pilate called together the chief priests and the rulers. And that's a lot of Pharisees were in that group. And all the people. And, they, and he said to them, You brought me this man as one who is inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for for he sent him back to us. And as you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Now, here's the thing. So, Pilate, he was the Roman governor. So, Pilate, he's kind of like, uh, he's like the federal authority. And then, Herod, he was the the Jewish ruler. So, you kind of have like like federal and state. And so, you know... uh, State bounces, bounces Jesus up to the federal government. The federal government says, no, let's, let's take it back to state, and they get bounced back to the federal government. That's kind of what's going on here in Jesus' trial. Verse 16, Pilate says, Therefore I will punish him and release him. But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time, he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and release him. But with, with loud shouts, they insistedly demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, and the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. Okay, so what's going on here? See, the, government, the governor, Pilate, he sees what's happening here. He recognizes that, that they're really not after justice here. Really, what this is, this is just one big mob. This is mob, a mob mentality, and he's not having it. He's like, I don't want to be any part of this. So he takes Jesus. Okay, let's send Jesus to Herod, and Herod can deal with this situation. Well, as you know, we just read Herod says, no, no, go back to Pilate. And Pilate's thinking, I don't, want to, I don't want any part of this. How can I get out of this? And then it dawns on him. There's a tradition that the Israelites have that at the time of Passover, which is what's taking place, they would release, they would pardon one prisoner. And so Pilate thinks, okay, that's my out. Okay, and he goes in front of the people and says, who do you want me to release? Do you want me to release the murderer, Barabbas, or, or this teacher, Jesus? And, and, of course, Pilate's probably thinking, this is a no-brainer. Of course, they're going to release Jesus. He's innocent. And yet Pilate is shocked because they say, release guilty Barabbas, and they have Jesus, who's innocent, crucified. Amazing. I think this is probably one of the most incredible stories in the entire Easter account. And the question we have to ask ourselves is this, and who is Barabbas? Who is this guy? Who is this guy that's named by name in all four of the gospel accounts of the resurrection of Jesus? Why do we even know his name? Well, Matthew, we don't really know a lot about him. Matthew says that he is a notorious criminal, says he's a notorious criminal. Mark says that Barabbas was chained with his fellow rebels who had committed murder in the uprising. So here he is. He's one of several people that uh, tried to overthrow the government. And what probably happened is more than likely he killed a Roman soldier, which is why he's being crucified. If it was just, you know, if it was robbery or just an average ordinary crime, he probably would have just been, you know, just killed in prison, just stabbed and put to death. But this was a a capital offense. He needed to be crucified. But what's interesting is why is he named by name? We don't know for sure. Some speculate that maybe he was the leader of this group, but we really don't know for sure. So why is he so important to get to get playtime in all four of the Gospels? Well, I think it's because of what he represents. Let's look at what we do know about this guy Barabbas. First of all, his name. His name, Barabbas, it's actually two names. Let's throw that slide up there. It's two names. Bar, meaning son, and Abba, meaning father. So his name literally is uh, son of the father, Barabbas. In today's culture, we think about it like this. Maybe you have a friend, their, their last name is Johnson or Michaelson. And it really what it means is, you know, the son of Michael or son of John. Well, Barabbas, his name actually means son of the father. And, and back in the first century, we have to understand, names meant a big, they were a big deal. They meant something very important to people. It's not like today where, you know, People will name their their babies all sorts of names because they sound cool. Like, oh, that's such a cool name. What does it mean? I have no idea. I think think, uh, Brad Pitt named his kid that, so that's why I chose that name. It sounds cool. But in the first century, when someone said someone's name, they weren't just thinking of the name. They were thinking of its meaning. Every time he heard his name, it was calling out, you're the son of the father. You are the son of the father. It was his identity. So Barabbas, he starts out knowing 100%. He knows who he is. He knows his identity. He is the son of the father. But as time goes on, something happens. Something changes. We don't really know what it was. We we can only speculate. Maybe it was the fact that he saw Rome and these soldiers come in and oppress his friends and his family, manipulating and taking advantage of them. Maybe he saw his world kind of fall apart, and he felt like it's not fair. This is not how things are supposed to be. We can kind of relate to that. It's 2020, and look what, look what we're going through right now. I mean, I I'm imagine if you're like us, this is not how I imagined Easter Sunday being, right? That's how, how Barabbas felt. This was not how he imagined his life unfolding. And he had all these desires. You, you know what I'm talking about. We all have desires, don't we? A desire for a better life, a, a brighter future, for things to move forward. We have a desire to be known and loved, to feel secure and free I think we all have desires in us and that's a good thing I think desire is like a spark it's a spark in us that that drives us to, to start a family and to nurture children and to, to draw out their potential it's a spark to innovate solutions that save lives to to build and create things that that make the world a better place desire is a wonderful and powerful thing when it's harnessed right right, when it's harnessed, right, fire and the spark of desire is great. In a fireplace, it brings light and warmth In a kiln. It, it, it forges steel. But left unchecked, it brings destruction and damage, devastation. So my question is this, what happens when it feels like the desire in our lives will never be reached? What happens when it feels like your desires will never be, never be achieved? not going to have that picture-perfect family that you dreamed of. Retirement is not going not to play out the way you pictured it. Your relationships, maybe your relationship with your grown kids or with your parents as an adult is not going to be what you had envisioned. That job and the financial goals are not working out the way you had planned. What happens when it feels like your desires are never going never to be fulfilled? What do we do? when our desires aren't realized. Well, for Barabbas, like a lot of us, he had a good desire, but he went about achieving it the wrong way. He had a good desire, but he had a wrong direction. Think about it. What did he want? He wanted freedom for his country. He wanted the end of oppression of those that he loved and cared for. Good desire, but the wrong direction. And he wanted it so badly, he would would have it at any cost. And so he ended up rioting, committing murder, and hurting people along the way. And, and I'm sure he justified it, as we all do. He probably said, well, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, once Rome is out of here, then I'm going to go back to, and he justified. We are not so different, are we? We aren't. Maybe you want a relationship so bad. You want a relationship so bad that you won't see what mom sees and best friend sees and everyone else sees around you because we just want it so badly. You want to provide you want to you give your family all those things, the, the house and the things and the memories. And so what do we do? We work and we work because we think that's the right thing to do. But along the way, we neglect our most important relationships. And we cut corners. And you find yourself doing things you thought, I would never do. Good desire, but wrong direction. We have a desire for rest. We're, oh, we're just we're so tired, so stressed. Out. I just need to relax. So I'm just going to have one drink. But one drink one night turns into several drinks every night. We just want to connect, want to be known, want to feel heard and appreciated. So you start talking with that person, you know, that you used to date back in high school on social media. Or it's a person that, at work, you know, that they kind of they give you a little bit too much attention, but you always let it go, but we're not getting what we want out of our, our marriage. And so we start to entertain some flirting, go out to lunch with someone. Good desire, wrong direction. So Barabbas, he, he chases this desire at any cost. And, and here's the thing, he, he goes from Barabbas, son of the father, to a notorious criminal. Barabbas, he knows exactly who he is, his identity. He's a son of, of the father. And somewhere along the way, he loses his identity and he becomes notorious Criminals. Somewhere along the way, we end up losing our identities too, don't we? we? We end up identifying more with what we've done than who we are. We identify with our mistakes and our failures. And this is for good or bad. Maybe we also identify like the Pharisees with the good things that we've done. You know, uh, our, our career, our achievements. But even there, you know what happens? Is at some point, we can't keep up with the demands. Our, the demands outpace our performance. We try and we try it, but it feels like you know, I'm just I'm just not a good enough mom. I'm not I'm not a good enough, I'm not patient enough, I'm not kind enough, I'm I'm not a good enough provider, I'm not a good enough man. So where does that lead? Well, for Barabbas, it leads to imprisonment. He finds himself waiting to die on a cross. Imagine how that feels. Imagine all the things he wanted to do, all the, the desires, and he was going to change things, things were going to be different, and he worked so much, and he fought so hard, and, and what does all his efforts get him? He's trapped, stuck in prison, about to die. Imagine how he feels. He's sitting there in prison, and, and he hears the soldier's feet approaching. He hears the, the, the keys in their hands rattle as they close to his cell door. He, his stomach is beginning to churn, his heart is pounding as they drag him out of the cell into the bright lights. His eyes are still adjusting he's, he's squinting his eyes, and one of the soldiers just kind of pushes him and says, "Come on, get out of here." <laughs> and he just he just stops and he stares at these soldiers He's thinking, go, "What's going on? I don't, I don't know what to do is this?" Is this some kind of joke? Is this just another opportunity for you to abuse me? And then one of the soldiers shoves him hard says, come on, get out of here. The governor has pardoned you. Someone else will die in your place. And so Barabbas runs off. Jesus has taken his place. The cross that was meant for Barabbas becomes Jesus's and Barabbas goes free. And, and he just disappears into the pages of history. It's the last time we ever hear of him. Now, if you're like me, I'm curious. You know what I'm saying? I'm a curious person. Like, no, no, no. What does this guy do? He's just been given his life back. I mean, where does he go? What does he do with it? But the truth is, we don't know. We don't know what he does with it. I mean, is it possible he... After he's been released, he hits the street and he's kind of just swept up in this crowd, this yelling "Crucify!" and he's kind of carried along with him until he stands before the cross that was supposed to be his, and actually sees Jesus die. We don't know. Does he hear days later of about the man who who rose from the dead, about the empty tomb? It's possible. Everyone was talking about this. Everyone was talking about what had happened and how Jesus apparently has risen from the dead. Has it possibly he heard these things? It's possible. But the biggest question of all is well, does he connect the dots? Does, does he figure it out? Does he ever realize ultimately what Jesus did for him? He didn't just take his place, he rescued his soul. Does he know that? And the answer is we don't know. We don't know if he, if he returned to his old life or if he became a changed man. But you know, I think the more important question is this. We don't know what he did with it. But the more important question is, what will you do with it? What will we do with it? What will we do with what Jesus has done for us? But here's the thing. Jesus didn't just take Barabbas's Barabbas' place. He took your place and my place. Because here's the thing, we are all Barabbas. We have all chased down desires that we thought would take us someplace, would fulfill us, would would satisfy us, would give us what we've always looked for and always longed for. Some of us, it's been in relationships. It's been in positions. Some of you, you've been trying to win the approval of your mother or your father your entire life, and they still won't give it to you. And maybe now they're gone. We all. We all. Barabbas thought we could do it on our own apart from God but just like Barabbas we ended up stuck stuck in shame some stuck in shame some stuck in regret and pain maybe you're stuck in a pattern of performance if I could just be good enough if I could just do a little bit more, if I could work a little bit harder, if I made a little more money, if I, my body looked a little bit better, if I could just make things add up, then it would be enough. But we keep finding ourselves in a cycle of dissatisfaction. It's never enough. It is never enough. But then Jesus came along and said, that's not how that works. That is not how that works. You don't have to fight and struggle and work to make yourself good enough. It's not about anything that you've done or what you can do. Really, it's all about what's been done for you. That's what Jesus would say today. It's about what's been done for you. Some, we can't, we can't look past our mistakes. There are things you've done you are so unproud of. There are others you, you've worked so much, but it's never been enough. You know, the most amazing thing about this entire story, and the reason why I think it's in all four of the Gospels, is because Jesus, in one moment, he takes this guy, he takes this guy, and he goes from notorious criminal, and he transforms him back into just Barabbas, son of the father, in a moment. And the truth is, his story is our story. In a moment, Jesus took all the things you've used to identify yourself, all the ways you've identified yourself, and He has restored you back to your identity. You are the Son of the Father, daughter of the Father, a child of God. That's what Jesus has done for us. That's what Easter is all about. And so the question is this What will you do with it? What will you do with it? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much. Lord, thank you for this moment that we get to pause with our families and our friends and we we reflect on all you've done for us. We think of all you've done for us, Jesus. It is amazing. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for all that your resurrection means to us. As we're praying this morning, you know, there may be some that the biggest part of you, the biggest part of who you are is something that happened to you. You define yourself by a hurt, a betrayal, a regret. Maybe it's a mistake you've made. You say, I'm just a, and whatever you fill the blank with. I'm just that, but it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus opened the door of the prison you've been living in a long time ago. And he simply says, step out. Step out today. And I understand maybe it's scary. Maybe you're afraid, I'm gonna mess it up. I'm gonna gonna make a mistake. I'm gonna, gonna get hurt again. But Jesus says that's not who you are. You are a child of God. You can receive his peace and hope and forgiveness today. Maybe you chase desires. They they haven't led you where you thought they would. Maybe maybe you'd say, you know, I'm a successful person. You're successful. But you're exhausted, miserable. Jesus wants to give you your identity back. You are not your, your job you're not your title. You're not your paycheck. He wants you to know you are a child of God. and You can receive that today. I want to give you an opportunity. You've, you've never given your heart to Jesus. You've never realized that what Jesus did for Barabbas, he's also done for you. I want, I want you to, to receive him today, to receive his forgiveness and his hope. I'm just going to say a simple prayer. I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, Just we're going to take this moment for reflection. The worship is going to play a song, and I just want us to take a few moments, wherever you're at, and just reflect, and allow God to speak to your heart. But I'm going to say this prayer, and if you would make it your own, if you just repeat these words, I encourage you to, to let us know that you prayed it. It's not a magic form of what it is. It's, if it's the intentions of your heart, you're inviting God to be working in your life. Would you pray this with me? Father God, I give you my life. I'm sorry for going my own way. Sorry for choices that have hurt me and choices that have hurt you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place, to forgive my sins and give me new life. I receive you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you said that prayer, I want to encourage you. Would you please let us know? You can either comment on the on Facebook Live or on whatever platform. You can also just contact me directly, Kyle at VantagePointChurch.net. I would love to connect with you. Let's just take these next few moments and reflect. We're going to come back in just a few moments. Let's spend some time in God's presence together.